So these are your questions. Uh, you, you either DM them in or Instagram or whatever. Uh, I just happen to have them here. And uh, the first four are actually all related uh, to one another. So we're just going to dive right in. Um, Randall, I'm just going to start with you. Uh, how can we be absolutely certain that Christianity is the absolute truth when all religions think that their belief is, is correct? And you got about 30 seconds to answer. 30 <laughs> seconds to answer. Uh, I'm looking at that big clock. That's a big clock there, and it's intimidating. Watching the time going down. I'm losing time saying absolutely nothing. Um, certainty. Certainty. The opposite of faith. Because at first, my first, uh, when you start talking about certainty. And, and the word absolute is in here twice. Absolutely certain yeah, that, then you're, that it's then an absolute then truth. Then and you're even moving further away from faith. Um, I would talk about the idol of certainty. I would talk about the myth of certainty. Um, uh, I only have one, one absolute truth that, that I rule my life by. One absolute truth, capital T. I have lots of little T's, and they're always variables, and they're always moving around. But I have one absolute truth, and that would be Jesus Christ himself. And as soon as you move absolute truth to the person of Jesus, you've changed the game largely because you've made it a person. I've been married for 42 years, and my wife is here today, and so I have to be very careful of what I say next. Um, <laughs> I know her better, arguably, I know her better today. I hope I know her better today than I did 30 years ago. Uh, but I'm still discovering mysteries. Okay. So let's move to you two. Uh, somebody's si sitting there having coffee with you, and, and you're just having a conversation. They say, how do you... How is it that you can base your life on this? How do you absolutely know that this is absolute truth? In a world where all religions are equal, everybody's supposed to be accepting this, what do you say to them over, over coffee? All religions aren't equal, and I think to hold that position is intellectual dishonesty. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, I think you gotta call people out on that. You, you haven't done your homework. Okay. Um, if, if the people who hold that, I, I actually get really frustrated when I hear that. It's, um, it's not, they're not equal. They don't all go to the same path. Do your homework. See what happens. Go down to the claim, ultimately, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He becomes a divisive point in absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. So for people to hold on to that, well, it's all going to go to the nice, happy place. Yeah, we want, we want unity, and we want happiness, and we want you know, peace, and maybe you're getting pissed off when I talk like this, but I think that you're intellectually dishonest if you hold that realm. Mm -hmm. and, and when you begin to do your homework, and you begin to dive in and you begin to study, you will see that there is a definitive mark when it comes to the person of Christ and his teachings so and his claims. And, and so these faiths, y you've done a lot of apologetic stuff, so these faiths actually contradict one another. What, what, about, what about, we hear a lot about Islam in particular. One of the questions came in about Islam. Uh, isn't Islam kind of the same as Christianity? Aren't the gods the same? Isn't it just sort of different pathways to the same God? Um, yeah. Is it on? Hello. Okay. Um, Excellent question. I came across this um, when I was in university. I had a friend, Kokeb, and uh, I went to her house, and her father bound it up to me and said, you know, we believe the same God. Our God is the same because, you know, he's the father of uh, the God of Abraham, and, and, and we believe in all the prophets and everything else, and he's going, he's the same. And I was just dumbfounded, like, what? Like, he really, I hadn't met him before. And so, anyway, I thought, oh, okay, and I'm sure I'd, I don't even know what response I gave. But wonderful, because our God, although there are some things the same, the God of the Bible and the God of the Quran, um, both believe that God 
created the world. He created Adam and Eve. They, they talk about the prophets. They believe that uh, Mary was conceived by God. However, Jesus was a prophet, and he is not the son of God. That is a huge difference. And in fact, in the Quran, those who believe that Jesus is a son of God, um, the Muslim faith, they are encouraged, uh, they believe they will go to hell, if you believe that. And the other big difference is our God is a trinity. While we are both monotheistic faiths, um, the God of the Bible is a trinity. And that is completely um, against anything that the Quran says because they believe through um, that the God is absolute and absolutely one. So kind of like what Jerry was saying, there, there's actual contradictions if you actually get into what the faith systems, how they're built. Right, there's right. Actual there's absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So it's not the same God at the all. Right. Aristotle yeah. has a law of non-contradiction. Mm. And that basically is, it states that opposite truth claims cannot both be true. Mm. And that's, you know, that's basic philosophy. That's philosophy 101. So, so let's kind of take that out of the realm of theology and into the realm of personal relationship. That's incredibly offensive to say to somebody today. It is. Right? Like Read how the scriptures. Jesus came to divide. There's a division there. He makes a claim. It's not an easy claim. The thing is, and I think we forget, we don't have to be the ones who are offensive. Jesus, <laughs> he'll take it over. I think our job is to, 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 to do our best to show love, to represent love, to be the kindness, not to make issues out of things, but to see people for who they are and to love them for who yeah. they are. Excellent. So let's talk about another, I mean, here's another question. Um, why are only some people going to be going to heaven, and do all non-Christians categorically go to hell? It's above my pay grade, but... Um, <laughs> well, okay. you're, you're next to God, so you can <laughs> answer this question. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's largely um, above my pay grade. I don't, I'll say something, uh, I suppose, a little radical for or even somebody of uh, in Providence, um, I would say God doesn't send anybody to hell to yeah, start with. Right. Nobody. I, and I personally believe that the doors are wide open. They're always open. The doors to, to heaven. Heaven are wide open. Are wide open. And, and, and you hear perpetually the words um, are being echoed. Um, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now, for some people, that's a gift of life. But for other people, that's a curse. Because mm. I have to admit I've done something wrong, that I deserve forgiveness. Mm. And I always, I, I, I show a little video sometimes in class on, on this, and that, that just struck at home for me. Um, and it's a story of Ruby Bridges. I don't, you're probably not familiar with Ruby Bridges. She's about my age. She's early 60s. And uh, she was the first black girl at the age of six to have to go to a school in New Orleans she was a black girl. She had to go to a school, uh, cross the color line, and uh, was mandated to go to the school. And she had um, marshals that would accompany her to the school. She, when she first went, she was the only, only black girl, six years of age, only black girl to go to the school, um, accompanied by marshals. And no teacher would teach her. She would sit in the classroom. You can Google this, and you can read about the story. It's a f fascinating story. And she would sit in a class by herself. This goes on day after day after day. Um, and but one day, she stops at the top of the steps. And, sh and meanwhile, there's, she's accompanied by marshals because there's a crowd of women and children. This is 1964, so most of the men are kind of working. That was just kind of signs of times. There's a crowd out there saying, we're going to kill you. 
we're going to kill you. We don't want you here. And they, the parents were pulling their kids out of school because of this little black girl dressed in a white dress going to school. We don't want her. And they used the N-word and all other kinds of things in the black and white footage you can read. And then one day, she stopped at the top of the steps, Ruby did, and she faced the crowd, and she said something, and the crowd went absolutely crazy, and it was the first time the marshals had to draw the guns because they thought there was going to be violence on this. This is New Orleans, 1964. There was going to be violence on, on these school steps, and the teachers pulled her aside, got her in, and they said, Ruby, we told you, you cannot say anything to the people. Well, there was a, she had a, a child psychiatrist by the name of Robert Coles who becomes instrumental in this story as well. He teaches at Harvard. And he took Ruby aside afterwards and said, Ruby, you know you're not supposed to talk to the crowd. It's very dangerous. And she said, I wasn't talking to the crowd. And so he's, he asked her, what were you saying? Well, I was talking to God. And, he, and she says, I, was, I forgot my prayer when I got out of the car and was accompanied by these policemen. I forgot my prayer, and I just was praying my prayer to God. And so we asked her what that prayer was. He says, Dear Jesus, please forgive these people, for they don't know what they're doing. Now, for some people, that's a gift of life. For others, perfectly normal people, that's, that's horrendous news. And these people created hell for themselves. And I have this image. I mean, there's very little in the Bible about heaven and hell in terms of what it's going to look like. And all. I got this image that there are going to be people out there. I would rather stay in my misery, in my hell, create my hell, than go in those gates mm. and experience the good news of the gospel. So interesting, great story, and interesting comment that, <coughs> that God doesn't send people to hell. You, got, you, you want to weigh in on this? Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, uh, that God does not send people to hell. I mean, C.S. Lewis puts it this way, when the end comes, either God will say, uh, or we will say to God, thy will be done, or God will say to us, thy will be done. And I think when the end comes, it will be because we have chosen a life separate from God. And what is hell? Being separated from God. Hell's a really divisive issue. Uh, just a quick survey of the three of you. Uh, how many of you believe that hell is a literal, real place? Y yes, no. I kind of do, yeah. yeah. You, you, okay. <laughs> yes. You're yes. like, yes. And the two <laughs> doctors are like, well, well yeah, okay. Well, Interesting. There, okay. there is a hell, without question. Yeah, Look right. at the teachings yeah, of Christ. Yeah. Okay. Look at the teachings of Christ. There, there is a place called okay. hell. There is a separation. But, but hard to know if it's real and literal. Well, it's not down in what the center of the earth. What about eternal forever? It, when somebody goes to hell, are they in there eternal forever? Is it just for a time and then everybody's going to end up in God's presence? Well, see, I, I pull the hard line and I say it's just an eternal separation from God. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the Bible teaches that it's eternal. Yeah. And I have the doors wide open. I don't know if anybody crosses them, but I have the doors wide open. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. Um, we've already dealt with that one uh, and that one. Hey, we're moving along good here. This is great. Um, hey, here's a good one. Why is God considered a man? Does he have to be gendered? I mean, all the way through Scripture, we've got, except for maybe one verse in, in the Psalms, we have something that alludes to kind of maybe a little bit more the feminine. But Can I say this? Simply, if you look at Scripture, you see that God is portrayed with a feminine side as well. 
But I think there's, there's a cultural argument that could be there. And I think the fact is, as we're looking at scripture, God has been portrayed. He, you know, we're created in the image of God, male and female. So I think, you know, keeping these things in the back of our mind are very important when we're looking at who God is. He is spirit. He's not male. He is spirit. But we address him as father. Yeah, and why is that? Why well, do I think it comes down to the, you know, ultimately it comes down to the fact that Jesus addressed him as father. Again, if Jesus is our example and Jesus is the one upon who we follow, we got to take his example literally and and his teachings very personally. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole lot of cultural element maybe you know Brother Randall can bring to to the front here mm -hmm. uh, that that works when it, when it comes to transcribing when it comes to uh, taking up scripture and and bringing it to life. Okay, I, I would I would just add a little. In parenthesis, like obviously God is spirit. God's not ma male nor female. I don't get offended if someone addresses God as, as, as female. There's all kinds of feminine imagery, and I don't think it's you cross the divide. Hey, time out. Hold it. You don't get offended I if somebody offended. No. addresses God as female. And I've, I've, known, I've, known, I've known some individuals that, that cannot address God as male because it's too disturbing. And, and I respect that. I understand that. And I don't. I hope they don't stay there in that position because so of, because of abuse and other right. various. Different so we issues. don't need to be so hung up on the whole gender. I don't think you have to be. But but I would go to Jerry's points. I mean, there are. It's, we're dealing with metaphors. All of this stuff is metaphors. We're trying. To, God is spirit. But we want to make it tangible. Um, um, you want to put some flesh on that spirit sometimes. And I and I get it. It's, it I'm not. I don't like to pray to you know God. To, Harry Ferry. Harry Ferry, right? So there, this, this, this is an arm of a chair. It's a metaphor. It's not really the arm. I could call this thing, strictly speaking, anything I wanted. I could call it the thingamajig. Okay? This is the thingamajig. This, but it's just, it's not an arm. It's not a physical arm, folks. Okay? This is not a physical leg. But it's, it's thingamajig would be, I would be pressing the point. I would be, you'd, I'd be confusing people. I would be, um, some metaphors have, have, a, have a stable a stability to them that, that communicates what it is that you're trying to communicate. And it's not so much that this is an arm, per se, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to communicate something so everybody can understand. Why talk about God as, as a father? We're trying to, he's an intimate being. He, we can have a relationship with God. We can... Um, but I shouldn't confuse that God's, you know, sitting on a cloud with a big beard and, and you know. Janice, as a female, have you ever had a, a struggle with the maleness no. of, of God? No, never. And I've, I, I know people that, oh, they want to change words in, in hymns and songs and make it she and her and, you know, can't stand listening to to God National being anthems. referred to as a man. Pardon me? National anthems. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. To me, it, it, it really, I mean, God is who God is. There's a characteristic of God, and God is perfect. He is unchangeable. He is powerful. He is um, holy. He is um, just and good and truthful. And, and none of those have to do with the specific maleness no. of God. It, that's no. not the important thing. No, I, I see here. the characteristics of God and I see who God is in the Bible and he defines those characteristics and to me, no, it doesn't Kay. matter. Let's take a sharp left turn and uh, here's another question that's completely unrelated, but it's a great question. How do you make sense of it when a trusted and respected pastor 
or leader walks away from their faith? Well, I, I, I maybe can have thought about this. Yeah. Um, first of all, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking, mm. and, and it's sad. And, but I think what we have to remember is that pastors are human. And, um, Preach. Pardon me? <laughs> okay, here, let me talk. Um, pastors are human, and, and they are also given an incredible responsibility, and they have an incredible calling. And I, I'm going to guess that because of that, Satan is all the more powerful, and there are dark forces in this world, and there is spiritual warfare, and I think we have to remember it's not flesh and, and blood. And I guess the other thing is, I think, well, I, I mean, as horrific as it is, it's, it's human, and even Jesus was tempted, you know. So no one is immune to temptation, including pastors or any of us. And so I just see that, and I think we live in a world where we're completely surrounded by hype and lies and spin. And everything is, tr feelings are truth. It gets very complicated, and I think um, in that way, it's just a reminder to all of us that we need to be grounded in the truth, focus on the truth and have, as we've eloquently said in the past, the full armor of God on. Um, so, yeah, and pray for our pastors. It's not easy. And yeah. um, Here's another question. Uh, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? How, what place does this, does the whole church thing, I, I can just do my own faith thing away from the church, right? That question when I, when I read it in the list that you gave me, it made me think of a, another question that happened uh, in a cafeteria at Providence. Uh, myself and another faculty member were ambushed one day um, by five, six uh, young ladies that came at the table. And um, the question is somewhat unrelated, but it is, give, give me a second here. And they, <laughs> they sat down, can we talk to you? And I said, okay. And I, myself, I was looking at uh, my colleague and and they said, we want to know what you think about a, um, a Christian dating a non-Christian. And um, um, my first answer was, um, well, I don't think a lot about it. I've been married for 42 years. <laughs> and, and then my second, my second uh, response was, so what is it you want? And then I, I, I'll give you the, the, the Reader's Digest version of basically what I said. So how important is your faith to you? And then they, they kind of, you know, were a little sheepish. You know, well, yeah, it's, it's pretty important. It's, 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 it's very important. And then I said, now I'm, I'm assuming by asking the question that some of you are either contemplating or you're in a relationship with somebody who does not be professing. How important, because they, 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 they said, yes, it's important to us, right? How important is faith to your, your, your significant partner or whatever, um, your boyfriend. And then it got real quiet and probably not very important at all. So, so I said, you basically answered the question to, to yourselves, but if, if it's really important, your faith, your faith in Christ, and you are contemplating and sharing your joys, aspirations, and everybody, with somebody who really doesn't care what's important to you? So what I'm hearing problem. you say so is that... So the same thing with the church. Right. All that, I come back to the church, and I would say, if indeed my faith is important, now the church is, 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 has its issues, but if, if indeed it's important to you, then I think, I think it behooves you that uh, you find 
those you want to be there. You want to find a place with other believers to gather together and support and so forth. So maybe I'm reading between lines here, but what I think I'm hearing is that you could technically be a follower of Jesus Christ and a Christian and have salvation and not go to church. It's not a technical thing, but in terms of uh, your passions and following through and making it real, you're, you're going to want to. Is, is that right? I don't. I, I don't think you can read scripture without seeing the necessity of the, the church coming together, the believers coming together. Now, again, you're stuck in United Arab Emirates, out in the middle of the desert, and you're the only believer. Yeah. Okay. So what? But you know that question. That question's coming from somebody in North America, where there's a plethora of churches. Find a group of people like-minded. Get involved. Bring something to the body. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to differ a little bit on that. Okay. Um, I've been in a situation as a Christian, uh, single, and I didn't feel like I was part of a church, and I didn't want to be part of a church. But I can tell you that I had a Christian faith, and, and uh, my Christian faith never left me. And I think sometimes it's easier said than done to find a church and find a community and get involved. I think there are many people that it's very, very difficult for. And I don't think it's impossible to be a Christian. I think it's better if you can find a church. But I think there are those who do not go to church that are still Christians. Fascinating. Can we go back to that, that stage of your life? Mm -hmm. What was it that, was it just not interesting enough? Was it actually you felt pushed away? What was it about the characteristics of that, those faith communities that just di wasn't doing it for you? Yeah, during that time, um, I had had some situations where um, I just felt I was, I was busy, and as a single person, an older single person, I married late in life, um, I did not at all feel comfortable in the church, and I felt the church was very family-oriented. I, um, I was told things like, you can't be part of this small group because you're not married and you talk about things. You know, like there were different things, and uh, you know, I'm sure their intent wasn't w wasn't bad, but it is. That's how I felt, and I thought, you know, it was just very awkward being in that situation. Did I read my Bible? Did I um, love to read, you know, Christian devotional books or whatever? Absolutely, it so never changed. You had changed. a genuine faith. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, but there are times where you know, I it was not life giving to me. I would just add to that, and I, I agree entirely with what you're, what you're saying there, but I think part of our problem is we have to probably uh, change our definition of church. Like it has to be a little bit sure, bigger. That right? Could, that, that's right. That's yeah. right. So, I think so that's you've, got a, you've got a two or three people that you're gathering together. That could be church uh, in that interim period. You yeah. know, we have this pretty narrow view of church. It's, this is church, right? Right. If there's and a stage and microphones and lights, it's exactly. church. Right. right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Um, actually, that leads well into this next question. How can you, how can you trust Christianity when the church has done so many terrible things in the past? Do you trust dentists? <laughs> actually, I don't. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't. That, that's a bad illustration. <laughs> okay, what's your point? <laughs> dentists bring pain. You know, uh, the the church is a. But, this, but this, you I, know, the way I read this question though is that it's done moral morally horrible things in the past. Yeah, in the past. And, and there are probably even churches today doing morally morally horrible things. So then how can we trust Christianity when it when there's such flawed systems they well, can't I think even it's the get it right? I it's the that are flawed. I'm flawed. Mm. 
again, let's go back to scripture. Let's go back to, like you, you ran into something, you know, did somebody would say to you, uh, you can't fit into our life group because you're single and you don't get it. Like that's just, that's audacious. That's, yeah, that's, the church that's has painful. Come, yeah, I mean, the church has come a long way, but I'm just saying that, that there were those people. 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 So I would say, yes, you look to the person of Jesus. Um, you don't look, all kinds of horrible things have been done and were done wrongly, and the, the Old Testament tells lots of stories about that too. Um, but I think you look to the person of Jesus and not to the people. And, and again, sin is in the world. Uh, one more here. Uh, how can you tell false preachers from biblical ones? And then it's added on, uh, on and says, and are celebrity pastors biblical? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so false teachers, well, they, false preachers I'll, from I'll biblical ones. I'll say celebrity pastors. It wouldn't be celebrity pastors if you weren't following them. Okay. Right? So it's not their fault. So, you know, I, I look at a guy, uh, Rich Wilkerson Jr., celebrity pastor by some definitions, whoever you want to talk to. I've been... In Voo Church, I've listened to him preach. I've been behind the scenes. He's a real deal. Mm. Like, he's a real deal. Like, I don't know why in our culture we get so, I think it's steeple envy. That's what I call it. Mm. Right? We're, we're envious of when somebody else is succeeding. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that, that bugs me. Do guys do stupid things? Do they wear expensive shoes? <laughs> Mine cost me 20 bucks. I think they look great. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, really, is it for us to determine that? They're ultimately accountable before God. If you're going to follow them, great. If you're not, that's fine, too. Mm. But uh, when it comes down to what people are teaching, I think we need to be orthodox. We've got to stay, you know, are, are we drifting outside, for lack of a better analogy, are we drifting outside of the Apostles' Creed mm. in terms of what we understand? Mm. You know, just because I, m maybe you believe in a, in a seven-year seven rapture, brother, um, and I don't, it doesn't mean that you're a heretic. It just means that you have a different take on the scriptures. Mm. And I think we need to be very careful before we start throwing people under the bus. Mm. We're yeah. on the same team. Yes, and I think um, I've, I was at just recently in New York City, and I went to a hugely successful church. I wanted to know what it was like. And I felt like I was in a cult. I'm not kidding. Um, I just wanted to get out. I was there with my family. My daughter really wanted to go there. And this was a celebrity pastor. And I felt the celebrity pastor was all about him and not about God. But I went to another church in New York City, Redeemer Presbyterian. I'm a big fan of Tim Keller. And he also is a celebrity, and he's very orthodox and, and truthful in what he's saying. I think with the false pastors and the celebrity pastors, we all have to be exceedingly careful in this day and age to, um, to be testing the spirit. Is this truth? And asking, is, is, is what's being said true or is it not? And I think that's our responsibility, and I think it becomes increasingly difficult in this day and age. I'm, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Um, this isn't a question that we advanced, uh, sent you or anything like that. You've all been around for a while. You were all young adults at one time. We all were. Um, but that was a lot of years ago, and the world has changed. What would you say to this bunch of young adults uh, from your experience now? Um, you know, I'm 55. How old are you? 55. Jerry? 
you're too far. Can you tell us? In the range. In the range. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. Beautiful, good answer. <laughs> That's great. So, so from your experiences and, and watching the world change, they haven't had a chance to watch the world change as much as we have, um, what, what parting words would you leave on this idea of faith and religion uh, or just in life? I'm going to put you on the spot and just whoever wants to go. Your character. Your character. This is a generation of dick pics and nude selfies. The choices you make today determine your future. Your character is so important. I, and I can't, go, I can't enhance going back to that. Watching what you do, both you know, privately and publicly, how you're treating a brother and a sister uh, in, a, in your relationship, everything that you do uh, intellectually within what you're learning and how you carry yourself within your profession. Your character is the most important thing. And as a God-given person, or, or a God-ordained person, you know, where, does he, where does he play number one in your life? And are you living for him? And that's interesting, too, because you could have the answers intellectually to all this stuff but what would invalidate it is a character that is, is weak and contradicting, right? And you can have a strong character, maybe not all the answers, but people will pick up on that and they'll see Jesus in you. Awesome. Well, I would say, and that's just from my own experience looking back, know what you believe and why you believe it. Because if especially now, I mean, post-secondary, I mean, even, even um, public schools, there, there is a hostility to Christianity. So know what you believe and know that it is truth and why you believe it. And if you're not sure, find out. Ask questions. Ask questions, yeah. And I would a little push back on that. I think I'm excited about the, the future. Um, I went to college in the 70s initially, Bible college in the 70s. And the, the emphasis was on Polly Little, know what you believe. Um, I'm, I'm kind of excited about, uh, we're taking the so-called postmodern turn in our world. My students are postmodern students, even if they don't know what the word means. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm ex kind of excited about that because we have a whole new audience. Suddenly, for the longest time, Christians were, you can sit at the little table over here, do your own thing as long as you keep quiet. Let the real people, the do sit at the big table and talk about affairs at economy and global affairs and all that kind of stuff and we'll do that and now suddenly postmodern says no you you got to join the big table we you, we need to hear your voice and, and there's a new openness actually i can travel in circles there's a new openness to talk about issues of faith at the table that hasn't existed in my lifetime wow interesting and and it, and it's exciting now and that's why you got the new atheism. They're reacting because they're at the table too, and they have to listen to these faith people, yeah. and they're upset. Uh, now the the challenge is, of course, we have to listen to all these other voices here now. We have to take them more seriously. But we're at the table, and, and it's we're able to have conversations. We're able to have those conversations, yeah. and we're being listened to. Yeah. So How do you have those conversations though, if you don't know what you believe and why? Well, you you okay, you you, you guys can <laughs> carry this on <laughs> in the green room. Can we thank these guys for? Uh, Coming and sharing. Thank you so much. I'll let you, uh, let you guys go. Yeah, you know, it's so great to be able to have uh, conversations at that level and to be able to push back on one another. I love 
the fact that, they, that our guests don't all agree with each other on every single issue. You're not all going to agree, but to have those open conversations and to explore that stuff is awesome. I do want to take a moment to apply prayer over all of this. So would you just join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we've touched a lot of issues tonight. And, and it's challenged our intellect, and for some of us, it maybe makes us want to go and read a bunch of books and study apologetics and figure out what is it that I actually believe. For others of it, it, must, it, it might be, wow, I've never thought of it that way, and that's a, that's a thought I want to continue to have, and I want to figure that part out. It, it might have just raised a whole bunch more questions tonight for us, and, and uh, God, that's good that we get to answer and have these conversations. I pray that there will be many conversations uh, as a result of our time together tonight. But more than anything, I, what I heard tonight was keep Jesus central in your sights. Keep that relationship with Jesus in a really, really um, authentic place and, and live out your character. And so, God, I pray that you would just build our character and build our love for you. Uh, what's, what people are going to catch more than anything is, is if we are genuinely in love with you and we have Jesus shining through our life, whether we know all the answers or not. So God, I pray that you would shine through our light in a powerful way in Jesus' name.